Good morning, church family. This is Pastor Dan, and we are going to be returning to our study in Psalm, looking at the Bible um, through a poetic lens, specifically the Psalms themselves, which are all poetry. Uh, today we're going to be reading Psalm 4, um, and we're just going to start by reading it. We're not going to look into it just yet. We just want to give it the, the Psalm an opportunity to sort of speak for itself, and then we'll come back and we'll dissect it a little bit. All right, so let's... Take a deep breath, and why don't you join me in reading Psalm chapter 4. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me, and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. All right, so let's take a minute, and we're going to go through the passage again, but this time we're going to kind of talk about its different pieces. Um, there is one big theme that jumps out to me from uh, the last one, and that's that idea of sleep. Psalm 3 touched on this idea of sleep uh, in verse 5, just to go back to that for a second. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. This idea of rest and um, preservation that God uh, kind of doles out to David is evident in both of these psalms, um, but that for me is is one of the bigger themes of this passage. It's the opening idea and it's the closing idea. Um, so the question is, what what is he talking about in the middle? So what I'm actually going to do a little bit differently than usual is I'm going to read verses 1 and 8 because I think this frames the rest of this psalm, and we'll talk about what 1 and 8 do, and then we'll talk about the middle. So let's read 1 and 8 again. Um, this is Psalm 4, 1. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So David is making a request of God. This is a prayer. This is a um, something that David is, is asking for. Uh, but it's also that whatever situation we're about to talk about is one that is giving him a lot of stress. Um, so let's go to verse 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So this psalm is bookended with an idea of stress, with an idea of uh, fear and anxiety and distress and this request that's really pressing on David's heart. And it ends um, with a recognition of peace, right? It's interesting. In other psalms, David will say, you know, I know that you will give me peace. I trust in your deliverance. There's this idea of David knowing God's character and expecting him to come through. But this is a little bit different. David is sort of using this psalm as an opportunity to recognize the peace that God offers and willingly step into it. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So it's this kind of reminder that 
whatever situation we're about to look at, which finds itself in between these two verses, David can step into peace regardless of that situation. That doesn't mean that the situation is unimportant. Obviously, David is asking about it in the first place. It just points to the fact that peace is found in God, not necessarily in the resolution to this situation. But let's go over the, the, the middle verses for a second here and see if we can't pick out what David's talking about, why he's uh, stressed out, why he has anxiety, um, and why he's looking to God for deliverance. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. So these first two verses kind of pit David up against somebody. So he is kind of calling out these people. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? And then in verse 3, he almost warns his opponents saying that he has backing from God, that God listens to him when he calls. So there's this there's this division, there's this conflict between David and somebody else um, or, or some group of people. Probably it's the people of Israel, um, and he is dissatisfied with their waywardness. Um, in verses 4 and 5, we'll just continue right along there. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. So if, the fir- if verses 2 and 3 are kind of an introduction to this conflict, verses 4 and 5 are the instructions that David is giving to his people. In verses uh, 6 and 7, we see the conversation switch a little bit again, where now David is talking to God. Many, Lord, are asking, Who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. So if verses 2 and 3 kind of introduce the conflict, verses 4 and 5 are sort of David's response to that conflict, the instruction that he gives his wayward people. And then uh, verses 6 and 7 is sort of turning that conflict over to God, starting with this idea of trusting him, trusting uh, God to bring the provision of grain and new wine, but also to fill his heart with joy. So we see Going back to that original idea of verses 1 and 8 being these um, these kinds of bookends, starting with stress and ending with peace, the story in the middle seems to be some kind of a conflict. Specifically, it looks like between David and his people, the instructions that David gives, as well as the expectation that God is the one who will bring the deliverance um, through that. Specifically, prosperity. Uh, it's hard to know sometimes. I think this is a good example, kind of sidestepping the meaning of the passage, but it's a good example to remember Um, that David was a king and he had a job. And just like every other king throughout history, his people complained about things. So um, with this, these verses in verses six and seven, um, who's going to bring us prosperity? And then David kind of relying on God for um, grain and new wine. There could be this idea that there was some unrest in the kingdom, that there was a lack of prosperity and that David and therefore God were kind of falling short. But David is sort of trusting God in it regardless and telling his people to kind of like stick with God and continue to obey him despite the circumstances. But what I love about this passage is those first, that first verse and that last verse for me. But um, what I want us to do is what we usually do at this time. I want to give you an opportunity to think about this passage, think about what sticks out to you. Um, and how you want to respond to it. What is this poem sort of bringing out in you? I'll give you a second to do that, and then we will uh, close. 
So one of the things that I really love about this passage um, and a lot of these psalms, um, not only this one, but in the last one as well, is this theme of sleep and peace that David is kind of asking for God and expecting from God and understanding that God is the provider of. And David has an issue in the middle of this psalm, and it's a serious issue, the waywardness of his people. Um, It's something that causes him a lot of stress, understandably so. If you've ever been a leader or a parent or a boss and seeing people who you are in charge of kind of going uh, wayward, then there is a stress that comes with that. But I love how David kind of gives that stress up to God. He doesn't abdicate his responsibility, right? In verses 2 and 3, he's still stepping into that conflict. In verses 4 and 5, he's still taking charge and being a leader. But in verses 6, 7, and 8, he kind of reminds himself uh, and the reader and the people who are sort of singing this as a worship song that at the end of the day, God is the one who is going to be uh, making moves happen and and leading um, through us. So I, I really love this passage and the reminder of peace that it gives us. It's one that I've turned to a lot of times. So I hope that it gives you peace this morning. But if there's any sort of response that you have, any sort of a Uh, take or or reflection that you have, I would love to hear it. You can reach out to me at any time. I would love to chat more about any of these poems uh, because they're beautiful and they're amazing and they have a lot to tell us and a lot to show us. So thank you again for spending your time with me this morning and I can't wait to talk to you next week.